0: Привет! Меня зовут Anderson, and for those of us who are not fluent in Russian, don't worry, the rest of this episode will be in English. Except for the show's title. Danets Navarnaya is Brandeis University's Russian Studies podcast. Each week, we interview a member of the community about their experiences with Russian Studies and the Russian language. This week, I am joined by Brandeis alum Jennifer Ginsberg. After graduating from Brandeis University, she spent two years in Kosovo as a member of the Peace Corps. She then went on to get her master's in Russian area studies at Columbia University. Jennifer now works as a program officer on the Eurasia team at the National Endowment for Democracy. Hello, Jennifer. Hello. Hi. Um, so congratulations on graduating from Brandeis, <laughs> um, I suppose. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, I guess just to start right off the bat, um, what got you into the Russian language? What drew you to to the language?
1: I guess I was always interested in Russia and the the wider region, and especially, I guess, the Cold War. And so I knew I wanted to study the language because I, I always figured that was an important part of learning about a region because I think it it's it is an important window into a culture and a and a region and so that was that was sort of the the initial reason and then it the russian studies i guess took on a life of its own and i think the whole the region is so interesting
0: so was brandeis your first time taking russian did you take it in high school before that or no
1: brandeis was the first time and that was one of the factors that drew me to brandeis was the russian studies program because i knew that was something I was looking for yeah, for,
0: for college. Mm-hmm. Uh, through learning the Russian language, it has quite a reputation as being a difficult language. Um, so what were some of the greatest difficulties that you faced in learning Russian, linguistically, of course, but also cognitively, psychologically, culturally?
1: I think probably the, the cases and just getting getting used to a different way of thinking about language, because just the way sentences are formed and everything is is of course different than English and so I think it was it was that and just sort of the cases and really learning the the different I guess everything that goes into learning cases.
0: Uh, Definitely the cases are a big part of <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah. russian language and i'm sure any non-native speakers listening <laughs> feel your pain i know i do um throughout your course of learning russian did it teach you anything specifically about you or the way that you perceive the world that you wouldn't have otherwise realized if you hadn't taken this language
1: i think it just in different times and different places it's really shown how valuable it is to know another language and if you if you want to really to to visit another part of the world and and understand the culture, I think knowing the language is is so valuable because it really lets you talk to to anyone you might want to talk to, and it it does give you a perspective on a region that I think you can't get without the language. And I think whether in Russia or during Peace Corps, um knowing knowing the language and being able to actually talk to people really made a difference.
0: You mentioned uh, the Peace Corps program, and we've spoken a little bit before we started recording. You're now a program officer at the National Endowment for Democracy. So what role does Russian play in your life on a daily basis? How does it interact with your work and with your daily life?
1: So at the National Endowment for Democracy, we support civil society, um, and the, the organization supports civil society around the world, but we My team focuses on Eurasia, on the former Soviet region. And so we help, I guess we work with a a wide range of of NGOs, uh, independent media, human rights groups, um, and we, we support them and help them develop programming. And a number of our grantees don't speak English necessarily. And so the language is really important. And I think the fact that NED does look for people with language and regional knowledge helps us to work with, with really great grantees who might run into trouble getting funding because they with elsewhere because of the, the lack of English, but we can, we're able to work with them and then it, through them, we can really get an insider perspective on developments in the region. And so I've really enjoyed the job
0: so far. So going off of that, in addition to uh, the job that you currently have, you have quite an impressive travel log uh, semesters abroad in St. Petersburg, time in Kosovo, time in Ukraine. How did your time abroad impact your language learning and your abilities with the language?
1: Yes, I guess I did it a semester in St. Petersburg and I had an internship in Ukraine. And I think being abroad helps with language learning and that it helps one become more comfortable speaking and less, I guess one, maybe one is always self-conscious about making mistakes, but it I think it helps you become less self-conscious because it is about speaking and communicating. And even if the cases aren't perfect, so that hopefully the person you're talking to will still understand enough. And so I think being abroad and being put in a situation where no one else speaks English really push it. It makes you use the language. And I think it really... It's really val—it's a valuable part of learning the language, and also a part, a valuable part of learning about the culture and and every and the history and the everything else that goes into studying a region.
0: Uh, What did it feel like to go from that change from you know classroom learning to like full immersion? What what was that like? I
1: I think at first it can be, it can be, it can take a little getting used to, but I think it's such a study abroad is such a neat opportunity to, to spend the semester somewhere else. And it was, it was a wonderful semester in St. Petersburg, which is such a, a great city. And I think you, it's enough time to sort of get to, to become familiar with the place um, in a way that I think a week or two weeks maybe isn't enough time. And to meet people and we live with host families. Um, and I, I volunteered at the Hermitage. And so it was a really great semester. Um, Sounds yeah.
0: incredible. Um, so, as you work uh, in relation to Eurasia, and obviously the Soviet Union had a massive impact on that, and there are lots of Russian speakers. Um, but did you study any other languages uh, from the region? Uh, do you study any other languages today, uh, either related to your job or just out of passion or interest? I
1: guess at Brandeis it was just Russian and then in Peace Corps I was actually placed in a Serbian village in Kosovo and so the I learned Serbian and I think the Russian Russian language was really useful because Russian and Serbian are quite are similar enough and a lot of the Serbs still speak Russian and they still learn Russian in schools and so the Russian was was very helpful but I also I did learn Serbian and I, I was able to continue i was able to study both in grad school and i try to keep up the serbian today because i would i think the balkans are such an interesting region as well and i'd love to go back at some point or to work um, to focus on the balkans um, with work
0: but we'll see how do you maintain serbian uh in your spare time
1: I'll, I'll read news from the uh, news in Serbian uh, and talk to friends from the region, uh, my host family. And I guess it's, I think it is hard to keep it up because I think with language, I think you have to keep practicing it or else you, you do lose it. But I'm trying. So.
0: Absolutely. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your time in Kosovo? You went uh, through a Peace Corps program. Can You tell me a little bit about what that process was like. What it's like to visit a country through that lens?
1: Sure. So yeah, with Peace Corps, I was teaching English in Kosovo for two years, and I was placed in a, a little Serbian village, and it was uh, living with a host family, and it was it was an adventure, and I think it was it was a really interesting opportunity to really be in the middle of Balkan politics because of Kosovo declared its independence from serbia in in 2008 and there's a small serbian serbian minority that's still there and the relations between the albanian majority and the serbians is not great and of course between belgrade and and kosovo are not not good either but it was a really it was a really interesting opportunity it was a i think it was a really it was a a chance to really be on the ground in the region and to really understand the situation for the Serbs in Kosovo, and it was it was neat to become part of the community and part of the village. And at first, people were really suspicious and they thought I was a spy because why would an American want to come to a, certain, a village in Kosovo? And I think with time, with, most people were convinced, I was just there to teach English, and I, I think. It was a uh, challenging two years, but at the end of the day, sort of the the really good moments and good memories outweigh the the bad.
0: But it mm-hmm. was a challenge. And I I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that your two years in Kosovo uh, were quite different than your time in St. Petersburg. Can you tell me a little bit about your time in St. Petersburg
1: yeah, as well? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, mean, I think Kosovo, the village in Kosovo was very very different um but yes st petersburg it was a semester and we lived with host families and took classes and it was just it was a wonderful opportunity to spend so much time in st petersburg and to feel like we really we got to know the city and we did excursions to nearby nearby cities and to moscow and it was it was a great opportunity and we got there in the middle of the winter but by the time we left it was spring and so that was neat to watch the seasons change um, yeah it was a, a wonderful semester <laughs>
0: and so in addition to Russia in addition to Kosovo you've also spent time in Ukraine um, you had an internship regarding uh, nuclear control can you tell us a bit about that experience?
1: Sure so during I think after after my sophomore year, I had an internship with the Science and Technology Center in Ukraine and it was established shortly after the Cold War as part of a much larger u s initiative to help um, to help the former Soviet countries to uh, to help the countries to become less of a, a proliferation risk and to help scientists. Uh, find peaceful work and to help secure nuclear material and biological weapons and things like that because of course the Soviet Union had such a huge weapons program and with its collapse it was there was the potential for that knowledge and those materials to find their way onto the black market and so this uh, this center worked with scientists in Ukraine to try and, and institutes to try and help them find peaceful peaceful sustainable employment and it was a really wonderful opportunity to, to be in Ukraine. I think Kiev is such is a, is a great city. And it was the summer of the Euro Cup, the football championship. And so that was very exciting. All the my Ukrainian colleagues were, were pleased that, that Ukraine was able to host it because it was the first time a former Soviet country had hosted one of the major football championships. And of course, there was going in people were worried things would go wrong but it didn't i think it went really well for ukraine and the whole summer was just it was a wonderful opportunity to learn about ukraine and i got to travel a bit unfortunately i I did not make it to crimea which is a regret because i remember thinking oh next time i'm in ukraine i'll I'll go visit crimea and unfortunately we we don't know when that might be an option again but it was a, a great chance to to spend a summer in Ukraine. Mm.
0: So now that we've thoroughly gone through your, your travel log, um, my question is, mm-hmm. how did you navigate the linguistic differences between these places? Like obviously you've learned an entirely new language, you learned Serbian, um, but from place to place, uh, do you notice any particular linguistic differences within like a singular language? Um, and how did you navigate those changes, you know, things like slang, stuff like that?
1: I guess in, when I was in Kiev, my Russian was not, was still very much at the beginner level. And so I've, if I used any language, it would be Russian with colleagues or to read, I guess I could read Cyrillic and so reading signs. Um, and I recognize that, of course, the, of course, Ukrainian has its own words for many things. And so I noticed that. But I think it was more noticing the, the big differences in language was more in Kosovo with comparing Serbian and Russian and it was interesting because there's a lot that is similar a lot of the verbs are similar but Serbian has a like a present tense form of to be and it has a, a verb for to have um, instead of sort of the construction that Russian has so there were certain differences and I think Serbian the cases are a bit more uh, a bit more simple than in Russian um, and It was, the Russian was very helpful in learning Serbian, except for sometimes when it wasn't, because sometimes I could say things in Russian and most of the time it would be close enough. But one time I told people I was pregnant because Trudna means pregnant in Serbian. And I was trying to say that something was difficult, but I told them I was pregnant. And so they thought that was pretty funny and I was pretty embarrassed. But um, I always remember
0: that now. (laughs) <laughs> I will. I'm definitely keep track of that. If I'm ever in Serbia, make sure not to say that. <laughs> um, uh, but um, through your experience with you know Russian speakers and Serbian speakers, um, what the way that they perceive and interact with the world? How is that different? How is that similar to the way you know us Americans perceive the world? Do you think the language that they speak has a role in? shaping the way that they perceive the world around them. Hmm.
1: I, I guess I would say I'm not sure if it's language so much as culture and politics. And I think the the politicians in both places have, have created... The politicians in both places are very effective at sort of using people's fears and diverting attention away from from deeper problems to other, to maybe to international thing, to American politics or to things like that, and to divert attention. Um, I would say, I think the sort of culture and, and current political climate shapes how people think. And of course, not everyone, people are different and not everyone agrees, but I think, I think that shapes sort of shapes, I would say that shapes things more than the language. And I guess, maybe someone who knows more about language would would have more to say, but I, I'm not sure.
0: You, again, have had an ample amount of time abroad. Do you have any particularly funny or awkward, other than accidentally informing a bunch of Serbians that you're pregnant, um, <laughs> or memorable or poignant events or anecdotes from your time in any of these countries?
1: I think, I guess in, Kos- in Kosovo during Peace Corps, one of the most moving moments was at the end of the two years, my host family had a surprise going away party for me and they killed a pig for me, which meant that pork is a, a big part of the Serbian diet. And so the, it was a very meaningful gesture and it was delicious. And it was just, it was a very, it's not pigs, of course, are, are expensive and and all that and so it was a very meaningful thing for them to do and it meant so much because it seemed like it I was never 100% sure if I was truly part of the community because of Serbs are so suspicious of Americans and my host family was wonderful but it um, that meant so much and so it was such a nice note to to end on and to know that I could always go back and they they'll still be there and they'll then. So yes, I think that's one of the Peace Corps highlights.
0: That's lovely. Um, In addition to keeping up with with individuals who you've you've spent time with, um, obviously, with your job, you have to keep up with, uh, you know, politics and current events in in the Russophone world. Is there anything that you're currently keeping an eye on anything on the horizon that you have been looking into lately?
1: Goodness! I guess there's so much going on in the Eurasia region. I think we're all we're watching. Um, it seems that in in Russia, there is of course increased repression, but there's also increased mobilization and rising numbers of protests in different places. And it's the protests about local things, but we see it as a hopeful sign and that people are discontent and they're willing to protest and that maybe one day it will they will they will be able to change things and i guess the the protests in khabarovsk the ones so we'll see but we i think there is reason to, to at least hope that one day things might change and i think when people say oh, russians are apathetic and they, they don't care they just accept it i think that's very wrong and that's not at all accurate so mm-hmm. we will see what the future holds
0: I think, yeah, definitely looking into the future, keeping an eye on that. Yeah. Um, but in, going back to the past for a moment, if you'll excuse such a cheesy transition, <laughs> um, you've learned two languages. And so if you could go back in time and talk to yourself taking Russian 10, um, <laughs> is there any advice you would give yourself? Anything you wish you knew?
1: <laughs> I think it would be to, to stick with it and that the Russian... It will, it will, pay off in some very unexpected ways. Or there'll be moments when it really does make a difference. Like in in Kosovo, and being able to speak with the with Serbs, and you know, at the beginning when I didn't know Serbian, and yet they knew Russian, and so we could actually have a conversation, um, and other things like that. And I think it. It, it's not an easy language to learn, but it, it can be very rewarding. And you, get, you can go and go to really such interesting places and have such interesting experiences. And I think language learning is, is, a, is important. Um, and I would say it's been, I think also it's important to, it's good to have a plan, but also to accept that things can change and to be willing to, to be adaptable to changing circumstances.
0: To not just yourself, but to any student who's interested in pursuing Russian studies or a field related to Russian studies, do you have any advice?
1: I think that there's great value in regional studies, whether it is Russian studies, Eurasian studies, or other regional studies, and language, I think, is a big part of that. Um, But I think there's a great value in that knowledge, and I think there are jobs out there that do want that regional and linguistic knowledge. And I think sometimes people, people look down or are confused as to what you might do with the regional studies degree. And I had that, even with my master's degree was regional studies and people would say, what, what, what are you going to do with that? Um, But it was, it is reassuring or it was reassuring to realize that there are jobs that, that do value that knowledge and it is worth it. It can, it, it is worth it because you you can find jobs where you, you really get to use that knowledge every day and where your job is to know what's going on in the region and to talk to people and all of that. So I think there is a lot of value in regional studies, no matter what some people might think.
0: Thank you so much for joining me. Um, Thank you I'll... for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure.